Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation and Christina Warren Shame Zone. This Absolutely. episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN and Eero. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu. Um, oh, shoot. What's your title? Executive Director of Rebellion Pack. Executive Director of Rebellion Pack and Christina Warren, recipient of shame, vessel for shame, shame mm-hmm. goblet. Yep. That okay, is my, that is my title. Tell why, why you need shame. Okay. So I have, for over a week now, I've had a perfect Herman Miller Embody gaming chair ready to go in my office, but it is not in my office because my office is still too messy with boxes and Kate Spade bags and... <sighs> And, and Amazon packages and Xboxes and, and stuffed animals and I don't even know what. So it's not done. And then the thing that keeps like preventing me from getting it done is the fact that it is hot as all get out in Seattle right now. And like I face west. So this office has two big windows and it gets really, really hot like anytime, like basically like from, you know, mid-afternoon through the late evening. So I'm kind of in a quandary where I'm I'm going to have to just suck it up and and do it and be shamed but I I did promise people that I that if I didn't have it on my YouTube show that you should you should bully me and in fact I did not and I did to my credit call out on my YouTube show that it was not done and that <laughs> the, the five of you who might watch my YouTube show should bully me well, none of I you think, responded I but I think we need yeah. I think we need punishment so if you look at our okay. group chat uh um, I have I've left a picture of the punishment which is the turkey dinner candy corn, no, which came back. Let me read this out loud. Candy corn green beans. Oh, God. Candy corn roasted turkey. Oh, God. Candy corn cranberry sauce, ginger glazed carrot, sweet potato pie, and candy corn stuffing. So I feel like I'm going to take five of the Simone, of the candy corn I was going to give Simone, <gasps> and I think Christina is going to have to yep. eat them I now. think that, That's you know fair. what? I think that this is the only fair thing. And also because I'm such a picky eater and, and, and that like <laughs> eating real green beans makes me gag oh. that I honest. And so the thought of eating like candy corn green beans is genuinely horrifying. Uh, of course I will do it for the pod, but I'm, I'm not in any way joking when I'm like, this is my idea of hell. So I do feel like this is maybe the only thing that could convince me, like give me the strength I need to, clean my damn office. <laughs> I really like this also because from my perspective, I was concerned that I would be punished for Christina's actions. But now that there are candy corn being taken away from me and given to Christina, I am very for it. I mean, if if Christina like keeps putting this off, conceivably you could eat no candy corn. Oh my gosh. <gasps> Oh no. No, no, no. We need to have at least we need to have you having one. Let's just not let's let's not go crazy now. Christina, we don't we don't want audio of Christina just like retching. Um I, I'm sure that, that would <laughs> be entertaining for everyone. Yeah, um, oh my god, actually. I'm looking forward uh, to Brianna sending me an envelope with a single candy corn in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, same. I mean, uh but but yeah, no, but I'm actually should be here Friday and uh I it's it's Tuesday as we're recording this, and I'm in no way prepared to accept this new iMac and send off the old one. So oh. we have things we have to do. 
it it will be done. It's just we have work to if do. If I it's could just... come to Washington, I would fix you. I know. <laughs> but I, I wish you could. I know. I wish you could. I would pay for oh. you to come here to fix me. I would. Put me in first class, baby. Put me in a plastic bubble. Listen, we've got to get to the show. We've got a very exciting show today. We oh are, of God. course, going to follow up on the epic Apple drama from the emergency episode last week. And then we've got a very special guest on for segment two. And then, of course, we're going to be talking about Fall Guys, the lovely new game that everybody loves to love. Um, So let's get right into it. As you have all heard by now, if hopefully you have listened to our bonus episode or looked at the news last week, Epic sneakily added an extra payment option for V-Bucks in Fortnite on iOS and Android. They had discounted uh, V-Bucks 20% on all of their platforms, and they're like, well, we're going to do it on these ones too, except the workaround was a screen where you you could pay Apple direct or pay Apple to get the V-Bucks, $9.99, or pay Epic directly and get them for $7.99. Ooh, wow. As we all know, Apple (laughs) hates this. Apple does not let people do this. Um, And the emergency episode last week. Nor does Google. And the emergency episode last week was recorded in the uh, extremely prompt fallout of that, which was Epic implementing this update and then Apple going, get out of our store. Um. And then, of course, Epic retaliating 26 minutes later with a fully formed antitrust lawsuit, um, almost <laughs> as if they had planned it all. They planned it all along. Also, also an update to that is that we recorded the show before Epic also dropped their lawsuit on Google. So there are now two antitrust lawsuits over this, although uh, Epic That, was, that is, was in our emergency show. No, it hadn't happened yet. The Google one, we, the, the Apple the, the, one. No, had. no, no. We, 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 we talked about the fact that it was probably a possibility. Oh, right, right, right. You're right. But it right, didn't right. actually, it hadn't actually broken yet. It broke like 45 Amazing. minutes later. Amazing. Got it. Got it. So this week, uh, Apple is continuing its retaliation. And Epic is saying that Apple has threatened to cut off its access to all iOS and Mac developer tools. Apple's position, as told by Apple, is hey, you guys invented a problem for yourself by violating our app store and if you fix it that would be chill um but if epic doesn't quote unquote cure their breaches it will apple will terminate epic's involvement in the apple developer program and refuse to notarize epic apps for mac which would affect any epic program uh on new versions of mac going forward Epic has filed an injunction asking the court to stop Apple from doing this, saying, quote unquote, Apple's actions will irreparably damage Epic's reputation among Fortnite users and be catastrophic for the future of the separate Unreal Engine business. And also asking that the altered version of Fortnite with the two payment options be returned to the App Store. Um, so the, 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 the Battle of Titans essentially continues this week. And I think I'm most curious to hear from Bree first because I am personally not clear on how affected Unreal Engine, which is the main development tool for uh, iOS apps, how affected that will be by this little kerfuffle here. So that's a great question, Simone. And I want to get this is Rocket, so let's get into some really technical answers. Mm-hmm. So, Uh-oh. Okay, so there there are two things, right? There's Unreal Engine 3 and Unreal Engine 4, right? And the provisioning pipeline for both of these is uh, pretty much the same, that if you're trying to compile something for an Apple 
iOS device, uh, if I, Brianna Wu, or a third-party company, am trying to compile a game for Unreal Engine, I have to have an active Apple developer account. They will know that it's compiled with the Unreal Engine because of the way that it's submitted and the headers and all of that stuff that's in it. But as this exists today, there's every reason to believe that updates for Apple devices with Unreal Engine will will stop or drastically slow depending on the injunction. So what you should know is when Apple updates uh, Mac OS, which is good, we want them to do that, but it breaks Unreal Engine constantly. If you look at the change log, Every single time you're going to see a fix to this, fix to this, fix to this. And that's because like when you're talking about Unreal Engine, it's really getting down to the 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 core basic level of your machine. <laughs> and anything Apple tends to do there is going to break it. So with Unreal's developer account being suspended, theoretically, you could probably sideload Unreal Engine onto your device, just say, okay, we're going to let this keep going. We're not going to worry about, uh, you know, we'll turn off the security protocols for that. But the long-term effect of this is it means Unreal is not going to be stable enough to develop with. Right. And furthermore, it means if you're developing binaries with Unreal, um, a really good example, uh, when Apple puts out a new uh, version of iOS or Mac OS, you immediately need to recompile your game or app for that so it will run correctly. That support is probably not going to continue, meaning games made with the Unreal Engine are probably not going to work very much longer on the the Mac platform or iOS. Yeah, I think that I think it's too soon to say whether they would work or if they'd have to be recompiled or not. Some apps do need to be recompiled, but that's less common. I think the bigger thing would be any update that you would need to do for a new screen size, for a new resolution, for compatibility if there was a bug fix or whatever. Unless unless Epic has an App Store developer account, they can't sign their binaries for Unreal Engine. It doesn't matter that Unreal Engine isn't distributed through the Mac App Store. Um, the, the app still has to be notarized by Apple and needs to be part of their developer uh, program to be able to have those entities. And if it doesn't yep. have that, then then you then it's going to be putting you know other developers, which you know are are for the Mac and iOS are mostly going to be, you know, you have big shops, but you have a lot of smaller people too, who are now immediately going to be in a position where they're kind of screwed, where they kind of have to, uh, you know, hope that their current version of Unreal, whether it's three or four, will uh, continue to work with whatever the latest operating system is until, and I, and I say until, because to me, it's obvious that there will be some sort of resolution to this there's some sort of resolution to this. Well, I yeah, I would say that these are developers that are getting caught in the middle here. And yeah, another agreed. thing another thing we don't know is if Apple is even going to accept those binaries because this is a legally tricky situation. Yeah. Think about well, let me um, finish, Christina. Sure, I mean, okay. This is my area of specialty. I mean, if you're working with Unreal Engine, it is working with certain frameworks and things that Apple uses, right? So it's compiling things to run on Apple devices. Like it works with certain sections of iCloud. For example, if you're trying to save a game, it will work with the iCloud SDK. That's Unreal Engine like doing that. So I think it is, if Apple wanted to really, really, really play hardball, 
they could say, well, Unreal Engine is kind of working with this Apple proprietary technology, and we're going to kind of cut this off too. So I I don't think it's there yet, but I think there's a, a threat that Apple may not even accept binaries made with the Unreal Engine. So I think that's a real concern for developers. I think that's a concern for developers. I don't actually think that that is... I don't I, I, I think that at this point that would be premature. Like it would be premature to like start going down that line. Like if, if I were a developer who developed with the Unreal Engine and I my primary platform is is Mac OS or iOS, obviously you have reasons to be concerned about, you know, mom and dad fighting. But hmm. I think that that honestly, if Apple going to the level of saying that just because this company makes this um, you know, um framework that follows our APIs and we are arguing with them means that we won't do business with them in this other way. That's that's just not how, how corporate America or, or international business, frankly, works. Uh, I mean, it, it's a possibility, but I think that would probably hurt um, Apple uh, in the long run more than it would hurt um, Epic, to be, to be totally honest. But it would be terrible for everyone. What's interesting here is that Epic does have a really easy way around this. And and the, the injunction is purposely, in my mind, uh, it's designed as this whole thing has been. It's, it's to be all about PR and publicity and to get people talking. And they're doing a brilliant job with that. And some of their their legal arguments, again, I'm I'm team drama. I actually don't care who who is who in this case. I think that neither neither company, frankly, I don't think cares that much about the developers as much as they do about their own money. That's how I feel about it. Mm, uh, but 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 I also feel like you know um, you know I'm in in this particular instance, I do feel like Epic is being completely disingenuous when they say what they're what they have to do is they have to basically make it seem like, oh, we have to, you know, do this rigmarole to 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 get our apps still uh, to, to have Unreal Engine and other things like that remain and have our account for our, our other apps remain active. And that's not true. What Apple is basically saying is, look, you can still keep Fortnite out of the app store. You can still make that decision and that is fine, but you need to upload a version that would be available to anyone who has already downloaded the app that takes the code that you put in to allow in-app purchase through a mechanism other than Apple. You need to you need to take that out. And as soon as you either revert the version or do something else, it doesn't matter if the game is live or if the game is is privated and you don't have it live. You can make your decision on that and the, the court case can go through on that. Then your account is in compliance. The thing that keeps the account out of compliance is the fact that currently right now, if you download Fortnite, the version of Fortnite, say you've already downloaded it, the version of Fortnite you get is one that Apple is not sanctioning. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where Apple, if they really wanted to play hardball, could play hardball. And this is something that would be really dangerous for them to do, but I think would be much more likely than them banning Unreal Engine. And what they could do is they could just, and this is what they've kind of alluded to, when they mean that, you know, if, if this doesn't take place within, you know, seven days or whatever, that the the account will be suspended. What they mean is that they will revoke the developer certificate. And that is a big deal because what that then means is that any app signed with that developer certificate will not run. Okay. Right. It, it's, it's as simple as that. And that's a big deal because that means that whether you're on Mac or PC or not PC, Mac or iOS, Mac OS, uh, there might be some ways around it, although it can be really, really hard. Um, you basically, any of your iOS uh, games from Epic 
will not work. And that's the big thing. And, and if, if Apple had wanted to play hardball a week ago, what they could have done is when they kicked the app out of the App Store, they could have also revoked the developer certificate. They didn't do that. And that would just so, affect games that Epic Games specifically has developed, Correct, right? correct. Yeah, you know, no, yeah, yeah. The Ep- Epic's um, uh, developer certificate is in no way tied to Unreal Engine. Like, that's, they're completely separate. Like, it, 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 whether you used Unreal Engine or you used Unity or you used uh, some sort of other, you know, like, like um, you know, middleware sort of uh, thing, it, it, that, that's, that doesn't matter. But I, in, I in think this case... This is, but I think this is so important. And I... I think this is something you have to have experienced firsthand to really appreciate. It is, I cannot begin to tell you how hard it is to update and get a binary and a certificate pair key uh, signed with Unreal Engine 3 or 4 because you are depending on Epic software talking to the app store, talking to your app, talking to your certificates, <laughs> right, and talking right. and I, to I, I, your I'm, provisioning. I'm not dismissing any of that. I will also say that the aspect of notarizing and getting a certificate for a standard macOS app is also a pain in the ass. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty terrible experience for developers regardless in that realm. And, and obviously, if Epic chose to no longer issue or, or to do something with those existing versions, that would be a problem. What I'm saying is it would be, I think, very, very unlikely for Apple to take the uh, protracted approach of saying, we're getting rid of Epic's um, account, but we are also going to actively go after anybody who's happened to use this, you know, um, a- approved, you know, framework for creating games that is yes, you know, but no that's, different than anything that's else. That's not what I was saying, if I could finish what I was sure. saying. So it's a very complicated process of working with Apple technology and Epic technology at the same time. The reason that works is if you look at the change logs between these two companies, there was communication the last time I did this constantly. You saw this with iCloud permissions. You saw this with pinging uh, certain IP addresses with uh, Apple stuff to make sure that it would test uh, if it had an internet connection. There was synergy between these two companies. And that's why it would constantly get updated. What I really fear for developers here, I agree with you, Christina, that this edge case of Apple going nuclear on side developers would be an even worse PR nightmare. But it's the it's them being able to work together to update this and have Unreal Engine be a viable product to invest millions of dollars in. I, I would remind you, Unreal Engine 5 is about to come out. And there are people out there that have literally invested tens of millions of dollars in new games and new technology. I promise there are people out there looking at Mac support, possibly even have it developed Mac support. And they're asking themselves, is this support going to be here enough for us to continue investing in this? So I think the the is someone who has run a game studio, I think the the conclusion you have to come to here is the only real safe bet to work on if you're developing games on Apple platforms is sticking with Xcode. And it's just not as sophisticated at many different things. Or Unity. Yeah. Well, if you, <laughs> if, if you believe Unity is going to stick around. I mean, I would never have thought Apple's relationship with Epic would get to this point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's 
you see them just parting ways. And I'm not saying both are not to blame, but at the end of the day, Apple is going to bet on Apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I think that anybody who I would hope before investing, I mean, look, I'm in no way trying to discount how how difficult this situation is, especially for studios that have invested a lot in, in a future iOS game. I think that if you're developing a, for the Mac as a primary platform as a game studio in 2020, that's a move. Uh, but I would I would primarily think you're you're probably choosing Xcode and native tools anyway if you're making that decision. If you happen to be like one of the edge cases, that's just my personal opinion. But mm-hmm. I'm not trying to discount that. I just think that it's you know at the same time there is a certain amount of like before you. Apple has been pretty clear, not re- relating to this Epic stuff, but they've been pretty clear about what technologies they push and the best way to develop things. They, they've they've made that pretty clear about what their direction is. And, and it's definitely that they want people to use their own toolkits and their own tools first and foremost. And so, you know, I have to be honest, like part of me says, if, if you've seen that and haven't kind of read the tea leaves to go, you know, obviously they'd had up to this point a very good relationship with Epic. Epic was always on stage during the iPhone launches and, and always showing stuff off. And, and it, it was, it helps Apple said, Hey, look, we can run Unreal Engine stuff. So I, I get all that, but I, but I also feel like, you know, the way that Apple is kind of choreographed and, and not choreographed, but telegraphed the, the fact that they want people to use their tools first and foremost is something that I would hope that people would would t- keep into account before investing tens of millions of dollars into something with the primary, not saying that it wouldn't be a secondary thing, but with the primary target of, of being, you know, iOS or macOS. Can I tell you guys that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by ExpressVPN? Do you want to hear about that? Definitely. Did you know that ExpressVPN lets you access the internet as if you're from a different country, maybe even a different (laughs) planet? Netflix has different shows and movies available depending on where the heck in the world you are. With ExpressVPN, you can unlock thousands of new shows and movies from streaming libraries around the globe. There are hundreds of VPNs out there. Just like there are thousands of planets in this solar galaxy, not solar system. I didn't say that. But ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast, like an asteroid barreling directly towards the Earth. You can stream everything in HD quality with zero buffering. ExpressVPN is also available on every device. Phones, laptops, tablets, even your television. ExpressVPN works with many streaming services like AFAVES, Netflix, Amazon Prime, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, and many more. You can choose from almost 100 different countries to pretend to be from, and it is so simple to use. Just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change your location, hit connect, and then refresh the page, and the show or movie that you want to watch will magically appear. That's wonderful. I can attest to the fact that it is very easy. It literally, it has like the biggest button in the middle that's like, connect. And then me, a fool, I say, yeah, that's the one I want. And it is every time. It's so easy. Um, And as you all know by now, I have not, it's been a while. Okay, hey, listen up here. Here's a motivation Last time I used ExpressVPN, I was in Italy, a country that I will not go to for probably years and years. If you are missing 
travel and your chance to be like, oh, let me see what Netflix in, in Germany is like. Oh, well, let me see. Um, guess what? You don't have to go to Germany. You can be in Germany for false with ExpressVPN. Right now, if you go to expressvpn.com slash rocket, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash rocket for three extra months free. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Whoop-de-doop. So I, I do agree with you, Christina, that if you're a developer and you're developing Apple first, you should certainly take that into account. I, I guess my point is for all the Apple bluster about how great their stuff is, Unreal Engine and Unity are better Agreed. at certain things. Unreal is drastically better at cinematics. Uh, when you edit uh, cutscenes in Unreal, it's very similar to editing in Final Cut. And I, I, I think that there's a real cost to consumers here. Agreed. Because the reality is people are not going to port their games over even once uh, Apple Silicon happens. Uh, as far as figuring out how to port Unreal Engine games over there, it's feasible technically to recompile for Apple Silicon. But I think it's really going to create a further balkanization. I've enjoyed playing Tomb Raider. I've sure played a hell of a lot of XCOM 2 on my Mac. And I just, I think, I, I'm not rooting for anyone here. I think if this was, am I the asshole? I think I would say everyone, everyone sucks here. Everyone yeah, no, sucks I, here. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, I, be, I actually think that's what's interesting about this battle, if we can be totally honest. I think that this is the first time that we've ever seen a company willing to go against Apple, who in some respects has the upper hand and some respects doesn't right like but this is this is a fair fight if that makes any sense like this is not which we haven't seen before you know even even on like the apple versus samsung thing over the design thing that's probably the closest we ever had to it being like a fair fight and even then that felt a little bit weird because you're like well samsung is is always the also ran with the design stuff right like in this case you know, Epic has the upper hand when it comes to game development and yeah. Apple and, and Epic has cachet when it comes to bringing certain types of experiences and applications to Apple platforms and not having them there is a, is a problem and, and is a bad look. But at the same time, not being on a platform like iOS or macOS that has not just the number of users in the U.S., but like the number of paying users is a major problem. To me, though, you know, when we look about like this injunction, I'm not a lawyer, obviously, but I can't help but think the fact that there is a very easy way to get around this issue, which is just Epic just has to upload a different version of Fortnite, and then it doesn't even have to go public in the store, and the other stuff can be litigated. At that point, the certificate is going to be fine. Like, nothing's getting revoked. So I don't know how successful the injunction will be, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, that it, it becomes interesting, right? Like, I part of me feels like Epic's not going to back down with the actual lawsuit terms, but if it comes down to the fact that they, they really are going to face having the certificate revoked, which is just for for their own workflow alone would be a massive pain in the ass, right? Like this is mm-hmm. uh, the the only thing that would be similar to this was remember when Facebook um uh like had that that creepy um VPN that was really tracking people that it was yeah. like targeting the kids and like they had like they used an enterprise certificate so that people would install it even though it wasn't in the app store. 
when that happened and Apple revoked their developer certificate, it wound up causing massive problems across all of the Facebook apps. It was a really big deal. And so if we don't want to see something like that again, where people are going to blame both parties, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that Epic will just like take it on the chin and submit the the version of Fortnite before the last update, you know, that gets rid of the in-app purchase. And hopefully we will find out next in time for next week's episode what the next stage of uh, our new season <laughs> of Rocket. This this is our overarching story for this season of Rocket. Yes. I believe yes. it will probably run through episode 300 at least. So probably. please stay tuned for future updates to Epic versus Apple and Google. All right, we have a very exciting special guest for this next segment, and that person is Lauren Bucus. She is the award-winning, best-selling author of books like The Shining Girls and Zoo City, and most recently, this June, a novel called Afterland, which Stephen King called, quote-unquote, a smartly written thriller, which, yay, he, he should know. <laughs> she is also a writer of comics, of screenplays. She does journalism, and she makes documentaries, so I, I think that covers literally everything that is cool in the world. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Simone. I'm really excited to be with you guys. So I have to tell you, this new book, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, So tell people what it's about. It's basically about the aftermath of a pandemic, which is a completely fictional occurrence. So can you tell people (laughs) about that? (laughs) Well, I have to explain that, you know, coronavirus is actually our marketing campaign. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I we're calling you out. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's been quite devastating to emerge from writing a fictional pandemic into the, a real one. Um, right. So I don't really mean to make light. But yeah, it's um, it's about a pandemic which has killed off 99% of the, uh, men in the world, men and boys. And... Cole is a mom on the run with her son, Miles, now disguised as Mila. And they're on this uh, neo-noir chase across America in this very transformed landscape. But surprise, women are full people. And we're just as capable of all the evil in the world as we are all the good. And so the villains are women. It's the worst person after her is, in fact, her sister, Billy, who's fallen in with some boy traffickers. But there are a whole host of other people trying to get their hands on this precious living boy for their own agendas. I I want to ask you just briefly. So obviously the way that book publishing works, you I I am in no doubt had been working on this for years before the pandemic. What is it like to, I guess, have been living in that mental space and then see what's happening in our real world? It's been absolutely horrifying. Um you know, emerging from having written this fictional pandemic and and writing the book took me about five years. Um, And of course we finished it in, you know, the final edits were in in November last year. Mm -hmm. Wow. But to see, yeah, some of the stuff was absolutely spot on, Um, you know, about airports being closed and running out of hand sanitizer and how much you can't believe the world can change in like three months. Um, And now I'm like, well, I can believe how much it could change. But I didn't realize the horror of the reality of like not being able to hug your friends mm. or see people like it's the virus and the pandemic are so dehumanizing um, where we just lo- lose all sense of contact with other people. It's 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 such a core part of our humanity. And of course, you know, there's terrible economic impacts and 
the, the lockdowns and masks being politicized. It's all, that was not stuff I could have anticipated. Right. So, you know, I, I, Stephen King said some very nice things about, about this book. He, he tried to tackle a similar subject matter. I think it was, was it three years ago with Sleeping Beauties? He wrote it, uh, this book. It was, uh, about a, was not really a similar theme, but it was kind of this, this question about what does a world look like without men or women as, like in his book, all the women in the world go to sleep and all the men right. are kind of left to themselves. And at the end of the book, they end up finally passing universal child care. <laughs> because they're they're forced right. to actually reckon with all of that. But I found I found your book a lot a lot realer or a lot truer to the themes that that I personally care about. And this is this is something I see as like a, a theme through your work. It's certainly there with Shining Girls. It's not like you you set out to do like a a strictly feminist work of art, but there's there's a lot of undertones there that add to the the drama of it and i mean do do i have that right i mean what what is your thinking process about that like when you sit down to write something um when i write stuff i'm looking to explore how i feel about the world and mm-hmm. especially the things that i'm really passionate about or that make me really angry so the shiny girls was a way of talking about misogyny um, yeah. and violence against women and how we talk about it And this was examining this idea that um, when I first started talking to people about the book, everyone would say ridiculous things like, oh, like, it's going to be so wonderful. Imagine a world without men where we could go (laughs) walking alone at night. And I'm like, yes, that does sound amazing. But also, have you met women? You know, we're just as capable of, like, terrible things. And... And sure, it's not like this feminist utopia where everyone's getting along and like making friendship bracelets and communal gardens, although there is an anarchist community um, that the characters run into who really are trying to make the world different and better and would absolutely be up for universal basic income and going full socialist and abolishing borders. But of course, this takes place in my novel three years after the pandemic. So... Much of the status quo, much of the systemic oppressions, the patriarchy are still in place. It's just women filling those tasseled loafers now Um, because things don't magically change overnight. And as a South African who, you know, grew up under apartheid and then also, you know, saw the first democratic elections of Mandela, um, we're still dealing with the systemic racism, the systemic poverty um, and class issues which endure that stuff doesn't magically go away. So I really wanted to reset it, reset this world where women are also the plumbers and the, um, you know, the electricians and the satellite technicians and the coders, but also the gangsters. Right. And I did a very interesting ride along with Cape Town Metro police years ago um, for another project I was working on. And I was hanging out with this black uh, woman detective and her partner. And I asked them, you know, what would happen to the gangs and drugs if all men disappeared tomorrow? Which was a conversation I had with every single person I met, you know, over the last mm-hmm. few years. Um, and, they, and they laughed and they said, the thing is that none of those problems are going to go away. Addicts are still going to be dealing with addiction and the gangs are still going to be wanting to sell drugs and, you know, make the, do their business the way they do. And they said that the Americans gang, which is a smaller but quite violent gang in the Cape Flats, 
they were at their worst when Mama American was at the helm. Um, because she was a woman, she had more to prove. Mm-hmm. So she was more mm-hmm. violent and more hectic. And, mm-hmm. and when she appointed her son-in-law, things actually calmed down a lot. So, you know, it's not this feminist socialist utopia. Um, but <laughs> I also don't... <laughs> I wish it was, but I do, you know... Um, but I, but I specifically wanted to get right against that trope. And sorry, and also gender flip the idea of the teenage girl in peril yeah. um, from like the human traffickers and make it about a boy and make it really uncomfortable. And this idea that being the last man on earth and yeah, thanks Brian K. Vaughan, um, <laughs> would also, you know, the, the, it would also be sexy and cool. Um, that would be like just amazing to have all these women after you, but I don't think it would be. I think I really wanted to kind of show what happens when a teenage boy is objectified and sexualized when he's 12 years old, um, where a government's trying to control his reproductive resources and use that as a way of flipping the narrative and letting us see that issue in a different way. Yeah. I had a question for you, um, and I love that. I think that that's so interesting that you, you know, flipping the, the narrative on its head that way. Initially, the book was titled, or at least the, the title that was released in the press was Motherland, and then you changed it to Afterland. Could you talk about why you made that decision? Was it you? Was, your, was it your publisher? I'm just curious. It was my publisher, um, although I came up with a new title. Um, and it's for a very boring reason. There's a British TV series called Motherland. Oh. <laughs> and also my friend Cy Spurrier has a comic called Motherlands. So, I, and I think it also just kind of felt more generic. And my titles are generally a little bit weird. Uh, you know, I think they're the first, they're, they're the only Google results, generally. Um, I love it that I way. I, heard the, I remember when I heard the title of Shining Girls. I was like, what is that? That's, I have no idea what that's about. And Cory Doctorow yeah. had recommended it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is one of my favorite novels ever written. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you did get in a bit of a a scuffle with the transgender community over uh, this book. And uh, I I just want to say to all our listeners, Lauren is a very trans-inclusive feminist, uh, but do you want to talk about that at all? Sure. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's been quite a painful process, but as my psychologist says, um, growing is painful. so what happened was the day the book launched, uh, I, I I tweeted, you know, some, somebody tweeted a review which said that um, it kills all the men and boys in the world. And I added and people with prostates, which I thought was being inclusive and acknowledging that a lot of trans people still have to deal with under, underlying biological issues. Mm-hmm. And I had some people point out to me that that was really hurtful and quote to, you know, two particular lines in the book. Um and I immediately, I was, I was horrified that I might have hurt anyone, especially in a community that I genuinely care about. Right. So I apologized at the time. And since then, what I've actually done is I've hired two different sensitivity readers, uh, mm-hmm. a trans man and a trans woman, to understand, you know, exactly what happened and where I went wrong and to understand this kind of blind spot that I had. And I also spoke to an amazing woman uh, in Cape Town. She's a trans activist. She deals with a lot of... Um, uh, gender affirmation, I think that's the correct wording. Um, so she, you know, with hormone therapy and, uh, you know, surgeries. And I went and sat down and spoke to her. And she's also written an amazing book. Her name's Dr. Anastasia, Anastasia Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, and we chat through, like, just the absolute complexities of biology. And, you know, I feel like I've got a much more nuanced understanding. 
And definitely next time I I should have hired a sensitivity reader first, um, but it's something that I can carry going forward. I was going to say, uh, on on other news, uh, I was really delighted to see this. I did not know this until I was researching this interview. Shining Girls has been optioned to come out as a show on Apple TV. So can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, so I've known about that news for a good eight months, and I haven't been able to say anything. I've been... Congratulations. Yeah. Thank exciting. You. Thank you. I mean, it's also, it's been a seven-year process. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I think people, you know, when a book gets optioned, people think it's going to happen straight away. But generally, I think, you know, most books never actually make it to screen. And if right. they do, it takes an average of 10 years. So I'm actually three years below the curve. But um, Elizabeth Moss is attached. Uh, I spoke to the showrunner, Silke Louisa, and she is just phenomenal. I love what she's done with the book and her adaptation and how she's taken some of it in different directions. Um, and that's really exciting to me. I, you know, I don't think that a book adaptation should be verbatim. I don't think it should be like word for word because it is, it is by nature a different medium. So Elizabeth Moss is attached and she's, you know, she's also executive producing. She's been very involved in the writer's room and like, you know, giving people notes and it's tremendously exciting. I think she's a phenomenal actor. Um, yeah. As a screenwriter, was there ever a question of you doing the teleplay yourself? There was, um, but I think I was, you know, I was, I was under a two book contract and uh, I had to write Broken Monsters to deliver the next year. And I was touring relentlessly. Oh, it was yeah. absolutely exhausting. And touring can be very the glamorous. The price of having a lot of work to do. <laughs> well, it's tiring. Yeah, you have to it's, be it's, choosy. It can be glamorous, but it's tiring. You have to be on. You have to do a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And especially when you're flying from South Africa, which is 11 yes. to 22 hours oh, to anywhere in the yeah. world. And jet lag is a monster. And that's why for <laughs> our listeners, it is, what, 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. where you are right now? It is 3 a.m. 3 a.m. You are amazing. Thank you for, for doing this. <laughs> I actually I was actually in Johannesburg in, in January. Um, oh, which, in the oh, before what? times. In How the before times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was one of my last one of my last trips. Uh, Sydney was my last real run, but but yeah, I was I was in uh, Johannesburg at the end of January. Um, so we appreciate you taking the time. On that same note, kind of about the adaptation stuff, I mean, obviously it's still really, really early, but have you given any thought, like when you write your books, do you ever think about how they might look in another medium or is your focus usually just on on the page and that world that you're creating? It's just on the page um, and, you know, and making the book work as best I can. I do write a lot of dialogue um, because it's fun, but... Yeah, I'm not thinking about adaptations. I'm not thinking about what this would look like on screen. I'm just trying to find my way through the damn plot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Do you, so <laughs> I'm always fascinated in this question of how people read and write. Do you see images in your head as you're writing or do you just see words and how words fit together? Um, ooh, I think it's a combination of both. Um, but I also, you know, when I'm in flow, which can be very difficult to get into, um, not least because I procrastinate a lot, it really does, it feels like going down a water slide. Yeah. Um, and you're just kind of carried, you know, like a really fun water slide and you're just carried along. Uh, and also, the, you know, things change as you're writing them. And I think that's the magic, the subconscious magic of writing is putting stuff down on the page and having something happen in the moment between your brain firing and your fingers on the keyboard where the plot skews in a different direction or the character, 
you know, says something different, uh, which takes you in a whole other direction as well. Mm. Any last so, question? Oh, go on. Yeah, no, last question. So <laughs> this is serious. So Washington Post absolutely raved about this. New York Times raved about it. As Simone said, Stephen King freaking raved about this. What do you aspire to as an author after having <laughs> all of that happen? Yeah, can you like, calm what? down, please, for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, yeah, you know, all that stuff feels very surreal. Um, and I can't actually, I can't actually take it on. Um because it, it, I think it would just explode my head too much and I'd become an <laughs> ego monster and it'd just be horrifying. So I really try, I try to take the work ser- seriously, but I try to not take myself seriously. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll always be the first person to poke fun at myself, like saying, you know, the way to pronounce my surname is rhymes with mucus. <laughs> but I really but yeah, appreciate no, I think... you having that on your website, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I noted the correct pronunciation at the beginning. Thank you. Thank you. you. <laughs> I think the thing is just to keep working and like telling stories that do resonate that kind of can open conversations. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know where to go from here. I just kind of sit down and carry on working some more um, mm-hmm. and well, tell feel, stories that hopefully mean something. I feel like some authors, like in my opinion, uh, if you look at Neil Stevenson, his early work was his best work and it kind of was very uneven after that. Uh, yeah. For you, don't it's scare just, her. <laughs> No, 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 but it's the opposite. <laughs> Thank you. Like, as much as I love Shining Girls, I love this book way more, and I didn't think that would be possible. So I don't know. I think we're, we're, we're due for 20, 30, 40 years of amazing horror novels coming from you. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much, Brianna and Simone, everyone, Christina. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Oh, where can people find you online? Oh, um, laurenbuchus.com um, and on Twitter. Uh, which is Lauren Bucus. Uh, yeah, those are the best places to get me. Perfect. <laughs> and in bed immediately after we hang up this call. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lauren. This episode of Rocket is also brought to you by Eero. These days, your house isn't just your home. It's an office. It is a school. It is a movie theater. It is a restaurant. And it is a prison. And all of these activities and more put a strain on your Wi-Fi. And don't I and all of my coworkers know it. It's not good enough to just have Wi-Fi in one room or two rooms. You need the strongest Wi-Fi throughout your whole house so everyone isn't working on top of each other and sapping each other's resources and saying, hey, can you please... Not try to stream the Netflix while I'm on my Zoom calls. I'm suffering here. You need Eero. Eero, an Amazon company, covers your whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi inside and out. Rooms with bad Wi-Fi or no Wi-Fi? Dropouts on your patio? The only place where you get to be outside? Eero makes every square foot of your house usable by eliminating poor coverage and dead spots. You'll have a consistently strong signal wherever you need it. You can be on a work call. The kids can be in their remote learning class. Someone can be streaming videos. And all all this can happen at the same time without any buffering when you have Eero. It is fast and easy to set up. Just plug it into your modem and you are good to go. You can manage Eero from a super simple app. And you can do things like pause the Wi-Fi for dinner and get alerts if any device attempts to join your network. (laughs) All those Wi-Fi criminals out there trying to suck the good Wi-Fi juices out of your home because they're so lonely. Don't let them have it. That's your Wi-Fi. 
We're asking a lot of our Wi-Fi. Eero can help yours do more. Go to eero.com slash rocket and enter the code rocket at checkout to get free next day shipping with your order. That is eero.com slash rocket code rocket at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free next day shipping. Eero.com slash rocket code rocket. Our thanks to Eero for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let's talk about those fall guys. Oh, I love this game. So we're a little bit late on this, but better late than never, as people say. So a f- couple weeks ago, uh, Mediatonic and publisher Devolver Digital sort of accidentally released the game of the freaking year. <laughs> the only good <laughs> Battle Royale game right now. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Epic. <laughs> you're, you're bad timing. Um, it is for real. This adorable little game called Fall Guys, which is essentially a collection of, is a Battle Royale game that is arranged as a collection of mini games in which you're jelly bean shaped poorly coordinated characters uh tumble all over each other trying to reach the end of a particular level uh the levels are there's a lot of different kinds of games that you're playing some team games some solo games some obstacle course-esque some you know reflex based and it is so darn fun it's so good i gotta ask okay simone do you have a crown yet no crown Christina, do you have a crown yet? No, I just I just played this for the first time, like right before we recorded. Oh my! Okay, so what do you think? What do you think? I think it's I don't like battle royale games, but I think it's really fun and it's super cute. So in the review that Julia Lee did for Polygon, she mentioned that it's so cute that she doesn't even mind when she doesn't win. And I was like, okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, and then I played it, and I was like, wow, I'm not mad. I'm I'm like. Granted, I have not been affected by some of the more egregious cheaters that I have seen, but it genuinely is this situation where the all the little characters are so cute and so incompetent and you can be doing something like trying to run on these seesaws that are constantly tilting with the weight of all the other players in the Battle Royale match. And there's something so slapstick and comical about it that it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not, if I fall, it's like, well, haha, I've done it again. Um, and the adrenaline when you think you're about to cross the finish line and then yes. suddenly you're not, you don't make the cut. Like it, it, it is definitely like engrossing, but I've never been physically angry like I have in some other uh, competitive multiplayer games. Well, it's a really brilliant game design. I mean, I've played a lot of Apex Legends. I love that game, but it's asking you to understand, like, not just your kit, but every other kit that you're going to be up against. And often when you get eliminated, it's because, you know, someone sniped you from halfway across the map in a location you can't see because you weren't aware of them. And in this game, I, I just, I think there's so much for game developers to learn here that the mechanics are simple it's pick up and play. The graphics are relatively like it's bright and saturated, but it's it's accessible. Like I have as good a time as Frank does playing this game and we have wildly different levels of skill. It's just it's brilliant game design because even when you lose, you can just blame it on the chaos of the whole thing. Yeah, but yeah. if you're good, you're going to consistently make it to the last round like I do. So That's very true. And currently, the biggest... So this game is a huge, huge hit. It 
broke pretty much immediately on launch because everyone was like, oh, it's out and flooded it and crashed all of the servers and the company who did not mean for it to be live uh, or for people to find out that it was live yet. We're like, oh, no, <laughs> whoopsie, a big hit. Um, and right now, of course, the story is that there is currently no like no product placement in the game. And the developers are running this tongue-in-cheek but also serious um, gauntlet with brands on Twitter where they are – all these brands are competing to get, like, a design, a costume design in the game. And Mediatonic is, like – the developer is, like, donate to charity and whoever donates the most <laughs> to charity gets to be in the game. And so you have all these thirsty, thirsty brands – like Tushy Bidet and Walmart and like literally everyone, <sighs> KFC being like, here, put us in the game, please. Please let us put make clothes in your game so that people will see our brand. Uh, those, and those course, poor, poor, poor underpaid know, social media people. I know they're truly, truly the victims here. Uh, Genuinely. As of this story, we published at 4 p.m., uh, G2 Esports leads with a donation of two hundred three thousand dollars oh my um, gosh so good for them first of all and also frankly like i i like this i feel like on one hand it is a little bit insufferable to see brands brands yeah. being brands but on the other hand brand saying uh, bay yeah yeah i <laughs> i do i props to media tonic for making this an opportunity to do more than just say uh yeah yeah okay give us money which like i want them to get money definitely but i also appreciate that they're taking this moment in the spotlight to not just immediately go for the the money from the other brands and to like give them a chance to be better. So good for them. Good for them. Yeah. I mean, it would ruin the game if it suddenly became and get yeah. the McDonald's hat. Right. Like all of that. So, but there's another, I want to talk about a breaking story from Polygon this week that I have very strong feelings about. So uh, I, I don't know who wrote this over there, but the, the, the request was please stop yellowing, bullying the yellow team. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Nicole yeah there's a oh okay so there's a phenomena uh, in Fall Guys that when you play, it's an unwritten rule. So some of the games have red team versus blue team versus yellow team. It's an unwritten rule that you have to gang up and blow the yellow team out of the water. No. So yellow always loses because both blue and red are going after them and stealing their eggs or pushing their balls out of their zone and no. it's just like the fear you feel when you're put on team yellow just immediately you're like oh f i've got to i'm so screwed like frank was playing yesterday and i'm like oh god you're team yellow no no and he lost and was eliminated so oh, rest are in you pieces frank yes poor frank uh are are you pro Obviously, team yellow. so I I joined Team Instinct back in 2016 oh. in Pokemon Go, another oh, game where there's a yellow team yes, and a yes, red yes, team, I remember and, this. Blue team. And, and you you you're the scourge. Yes, yeah, and, and P I we are still underpowered compared to the other teams. So I immediately saw this headline and said, "I can freaking relate." Stop 
bullying Team Yellow. And this isn't even a situation where people on the Yellow team get a choice. I chose Team Instinct. I knew that Spark was a clown and that everybody was going to make fun of me. I did it anyway because I'm a strong person. But in this, it's all random. So why? Why do we why do we continue to be to be rude to to, to because it's so mean. because it because it's how it's, I don't know it's how the universe works I don't know yeah. like there's always got to be somebody it's just, it's just, okay you know how like on Parks and Rec like Jerry slash Gary you know it's like like whatever they wound up making his name like somebody's got to be the Jerry it's always me <laughs> I mean we, we love you um I will I will note just because for any listeners that are might not be aware of this I um if you have a PlayStation Plus account which if you have a PS4 you more than likely do um uh, Fall Guys is actually uh, free this yep. month on PlayStation Plus so pick it up it's great it's great I I'm very pro bully team yellow I okay, think well, uh and right now I will meet you, you in the court Bree <laughs> I will well, see uh, you in the game it will be a uh, moot point very soon because if uh, they get a million uh, retweets, then Team Yellow will be erased from the entire game. <laughs> That's what the fall. Oh my god, you guys! Is this is how do. we're going to finally break the, the. Okay, honestly, do you have to say this? Like that is better than the, the the stupid Nugget Kit, right? Like I hate that kid. So this is actually a good thing. What? I agree. I don't know what you're referring to. No, you know, you, you know, you know, the high schooler that that Carter kid who like one is like oh, how, how many times like a million tweet. chicken nuggets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get to get like unlimited free like nuggets. And okay. Wendy's was like yes. so thirsty. That, yeah, that I makes hate sense. that kid. I hate that whole thing. So like, but that's one of the most like tweet, like retweeted things of all time. If if another brand, which I believe that the the thing that held that before that was the stupid Ellen selfie at the Oscars. So if we're all about just like brands taking down other brands, I would at least like like the Fall Guy tweet is at least funny and could could lead to something good, which would be the elimination of Yellow. Yeah, I I I prefer to think of it as Yellow gets to retire to a lovely okay, community. Okay, okay you know but what? Yes, you, you're but- right that this is a good a yet another good move by Mediatonics brand. Shall we talk about what we're doing this week? Christina, what are you doing this week? Well, I've got to clean my office, which is... <laughs> you becoming, had better. I know. You had I better know, do which it. is becoming like an ongoing meme on this show, and I, I recognize that. Don't make me come out there. No, I know. And I, I would fly you out here, because that's how much I hate doing all this stuff. I would do it. But yeah, no, I, I, I have to clean my office. It's going to take me a long, long time. But um, the new iMac should arrive. Um, I'm also going to be ordering a new desk, but that'll take a little bit longer and so, um, yeah, I'm, I've just decided to just throw chaos into my entire workspace because why not? It's not like I, I work here and live here and, and rely on this for all of my things or anything. So it's like you're listening to my, listening to my ad read earlier. Uh, Brie, what are you I doing was. this week? <laughs> so we had an ad that came out today. It was called 5 Million Excuses. And it went through every single one of Trump's excuses for coronavirus uh, month by month. And then it had the death count <laughs> and the case count going alongside it. It is an absolutely brutal ad. Uh, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of, this is a dream job for me. It's like I get to dream up political attacks and then uh, people Execute go and produce <laughs> those, those political attacks. We have an ad. We're uh, getting involved in our first race uh this week uh so in here in massachusetts uh kennedy is going up against markey if you don't know uh markey he's like 
our longstanding, very liberal, progressive senator. Uh, Kennedy's kind of this young corporate Democrat who is running on his name. So we are creating a political attack ad, uh, critiquing him on that. And I got I got to write this. You got this guy with this really thick Boston accent and you know, like a picture of Megan McCain comes up and, she, and it's like, yep, there's someone from a famous family. Uh, uh, Don and Eric uh, from the Trump family go, yep, they got a famous family. Just because somebody's from a famous family is not a good reason to vote for them. Here in Boston, we uh, we don't bow down to kings. We throw their stuff in the harbor. And then, oh, my God. So it's going to end on that. Vote for Ed Markey. So I am psyched about being able to produce that. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. Oh, it's great. Come on, this is a dream job for me. Yay. <laughs> what am I doing this week? Oh, I have an update on friggin' headphone gate over here. Uh, yes. so Greg Scown from Smile helpfully emailed us to let me know that there is a second way from Control Center that you can pair your Bluetooth headphones, or at least your oh. AirPods, with your phone and it is in the uh the bubble where you can press play like if you're listening to a podcast etc there's a little um connection symbol right at the top corner of that and you can press that and then if the bluetooth headphones are active they'll pop up there if you've paired them before and then you can pair quite easily from there as well i did not know this i am learning so much and i appreciate it I appreciate that too. I knew that you could do that like from within like the um like the playback thing on like music or video or whatever, but I didn't realize you could do that from the airplay button in control center. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. That's awesome. It is really wonderful. Um, so whatever slanderous things I said about Apple not letting me pair my headphones from Control Center three weeks ago when I got these headphones, I'm you know, I would still like it if I could put a button front and center in control center to just be mm-hmm. like, pair. However, um, both of these methods are pretty easy. Or if they could be paired with more than one thing at once. Oh. Right. And that just opened a whole new world to me. Yeah. What if? What if I didn't have to pause my podcast to watch K-pop videos on my MacBook? I don't know. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so thank you so much. So this week I'm continuing to enjoy my AirPods. Christina. That's what I love about Greg, by the way. Yeah. Like he doesn't just sponsor our show. He doesn't just do he text expander. To it. He, he listens. listens. Thank you for listening. He provides our tech support. Yes. Like, yes. We appreciate you. And that's just the kind of speedy tech support that you can expect if you <laughs> No, not this week. I'm sorry. But smile. Yeah. Smile software is great. Look them up. Um, hey now. Christina, where can I find you online? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. You can find the videos I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. Also, Overtired, the podcast I do with Brett Terpstra is back at overtiredpod.com. And uh, we're going to be like finally doing this on a consistent basis again after a over one year hiatus. So that's uh, that's it. Thanks. Brianna, what about you? Uh, let's see. You can see me on Brianna Wu. You can follow uh, Rebellion Pack on Twitter or Facebook. And if you do that, you will get a f- to see our first ad of our third ad that's coming out this nice. week called Bunker Boy, which I'm very excited about. So. 
And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and my videos at youtube.com slash polygon and in the bathroom immediately after I hang up <laughs> this call. Thanks for listening to Rocket, everybody. If you like it, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or just a star rating if that's how you're feeling. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>